Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome we'll back to the podcast. It is I, Grognar the Young, the Young Grognar, kicking each lap in the episode of the Beckons of Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure. Uh, oh yeah, the Herald. And the quest, the present. At this moment in time, our party members are in one heck of a conundrum, surrounded by assassins on all sides, circling around our dying uh, NPC friend, Antonea, the monk. Uh, but how did we get here? Well, that's a long series. Of st- Just listen to the episodes that happened before it. You know, what good is a recap? You probably already listened to the one that happened before this. Why am I telling you any of this? Anyway, mind flares suck. Duh. The party have been given some information that the king, as they know him at the council meetings, is not really doing too good. And there's some fishy business going on there. Great. The steward, Dalton, has been nothing but a Dalturd. And as the party return home, wounded from dealing with Kalaskai, they realize that, uh-oh, this situation might be a little bit more dark and spooky than we thought. As they go to the tavern to get some much-needed rest, they get called aside because Antonia is dying. And that brings us to the present moment when everybody leaves out of respect for the dying old lady. The party realize they are being ambushed and from behind in this large military tent. Uh, it's about 30 feet wide and about 60 feet back. This is a tent run by some of the uh, medical staff from uh, Glory Wake, some of the priests and whatnot. Um, but again, they've all but left, leaving rows of beds empty for you guys at this point to have a very nice meeting or at least a final goodbye with Antonia. But for dark clothed uh swordsmen approach you from behind entering the dimly lit tent can i get a quick perception check too 14 12 21 8 at this point the party do not in time recognize that they are being tread upon by these spooky assassin guys and as the party turn around to look and see these armed men walking toward them with the swords at the ready as the wind flaps on the, uh, at the well, I guess as the wind blows on the flaps of the tent, you guys can see a man in all black standing at about six and a half feet tall or so. A rather bulky looking athletic built man standing there with piercing yellow eyes at the entrance who steps away very slowly as these guys approach. As if in the darkness, his own black robes would have been enough. But standing where he was, his space has been uh, sort of his cover's been blown, essentially. So as these four guys walk in on you guys, uh, they immediately just start swinging blades in on all of you in the surprise round. But I'm going to need to roll initiative real quick so we can see. Holy moly, I got a 20. 23 for me. 
Anybody got that beat with initiative? That one. So I get a six. I didn't beat you, but I did get a 15. 16? 18. <laughs> Time to burn down the tent. <laughs> Who got the 16? Six Sorry. Inside. Was that Jarzak? Yeah, Jarzak had the 16. Nice. Okay. Excellent. Perfect. So, as they come in, uh, intruding in on you guys, walking up with a very haunting speed, uh, being assassins, having them uh, get a surprise on you guys is very not good for all of you. Uh, so, first of all, let's recap here, too. You guys, uh, your last known uh, sort of like whereabouts in the city, you were at the council meeting and were headed back. So I am going to say that you guys will probably always stay armed because it is the case that you're in a you know wartime in the city. But as far as wearing full armor, that would mean you guys would have had to put armor on when you got back to the tavern. And having heard with such a hurry that she was dying, I don't imagine you guys had the time to put on some of the heavy armor. So I'm thinking people like Norhill uh, would not have armor on at all. Okay. And instead, I think everybody would be very well just in clothing with their weapons and their general gear that you'd find in, like, their backpack or whatever. Fair enough? Awesome. Nor Norhill has an armor class of 10. <laughs> Uh-oh. Very good. I have a feeling I'm going to hit with a few of these. So they all come walking in, and each one of them begins to square off with one of the party members, uh, pulling out their short swords from their belts in very, uh, very awful ways. Yeah, Norhill is hit very clearly. Uh, what's Anton's armor class without armor? Oh, no, I got a crit. I'm trying to figure that out. But uh, it's your dexterity. Yeah, it's 10 plus your dexterity. And what's Klika's? It's 10. Do we have our shields? <laughs> you, you I would said... say you could bring your shields if you'd like them. Uh, okay. Again, so since it's AC, just slung over the back. My AC is then a whopping 13. Okay. So I still beat you. And then Klika's armor class? It's still 21. Dang. Well, yeah, she's fully unarmored all the time. Okay. Uh, I do hit at advantage, however. Uh, what's Jarzak's armor class? Without the uh, metal armor? Never mind. I have a feeling I hit with a 24. Unless somehow Jarzak pulls up a really sweet move. Well, do we have reactions or not? Because it's a surprise. Uh, as far as I know, that feels kind of weird if a surprise round allowed for reactions, but... Okay. Seems to defeat the point of a surprise if you can react to it. Seems to simply bite. Have we got a like, rest in? In the time we came no. back or anything? Okay, good. No, unfortunately not. That's why, again, it, that just feels like, I hate to be the dungeon master and be like, what I say goes, but like, in what world does a reaction go off in a surprise round where you're surprised? Is well, that not, like, not, by it, definition? Not like Because that is the rules as written, apparently. Yeah, right. Anyway, point is, you guys are getting fucked. So, uh, I think Norhill's probably the only one who's going to do pretty well to evade much of this. Um... But as these spooky pals of ours come walking forward with their blade, for the moment that you have a chance to lay eyes upon the blade, you can see a green sheen over the blade, revealing something of a poisoned uh, poisoned weapon. Uh, unfortunately, Norhill, uh, on the first swing, oh, this is going to be so brutal. I feel bad doing damage like this, you know? 
Uh, Yeah, actually, it's not too bad. You take 16 points of damage from the attack, and I'm going to need a constitution saving throw against poison, so you get advantage on it. Orvin constitution. 22. Dang. And then you take half damage because it's poison? Yep. Which is good, because this very, very potent poison seems to be enough to level a fucking large animal. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay. So, uh, of the 27 points of damage you were going to take, you would instead take 13, because it's cut in half. But, because you're also, um, uh, what's it called? It, because you're the dwarf, you get even less than that, so you only take, what, six? Cut in half twice? Because you take half damage and then you have resistance. So yeah, six. Okay. And then, uh, unfortunately for Anton, I did get a crit on yours. <laughs> so, yeah. And then crits. Are we doubling sneak attack? Because that seems like that's what we usually do. Yep. Oh, boy. Doesn't feel good to roll Warhammer style dice. You know? Hold Just on, I don't have handful. enough dice for this damage roll. I kind of don't. Uh, it doesn't look too bad for you, Ronnie. Uh, that's 10, 17. You take 25 points of damage from the actual weapon attack, and then I need you to roll constitution saving throw versus poison. Oh, one second. How's oh, 12? Help me out. <laughs> yeah, what is the deal? 12? Oh, on the constitution saving throw. I thought you were just saying 12, like you're calculating no! HP. I'm like, no, nope. 12 what? <laughs> Okay, so the 12 is not good enough, and uh, Anton feels his gut churn with immense burning pain as the dagger, uh, the, sorry, the uh, short sword is driven straight into your gut, and you feel the poison uh, just lurch in your body over in death rows as you take 15 extra points of damage, poison damage. Awesome. I'm not doing too good. I'm definitely bloody. <laughs> um... Next would be Klika. If you want, you can just roll me a con saving throw right now. Jarzak, you can do it in advance as well. I don't know about this. Jarzak definitely would have just stayed with his queen. I don't want to be part of this combat. <laughs> oh yeah. I also I got another nat one, so that's two nat ones so far. Uh, <laughs> for thirteen total. Okay, so you take twenty-two points of damage from the sneak attack, and then as far as the poison goes. Oh, boy. You don't have any resistances with poisons, do you? Nope. I didn't figure so, but I'm like, figured I'd be hopeful. Uh, so let's see. 10, 20, 21 points of poison damage. All right. And Jarzak, the weapon damage from getting stabbed with the short Jarzak, sword. Jarzak isn't even here. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, well, if Jarzak was here, he'd take... If Jarzak was here, he'd roll a nat 1 on his con save and probably be down after taking this damage, but we'll see how much. (laughs) Well, it's uh, okay, 18 points of damage, 21 points of damage. And then as the poison courses through your veins, oh no. 12, 17. Oh, you can stop there. Jarzak's down. Jarzak's down? It's 19 total poison damage. Jarzak's down. Oh, fuck. I have like 30 health coming into this, so. (laughs) You know, I love how like 
whenever they talk about how broken uh, this edition of D&D is, the one solution is just make them do four encounters instead of two. And all of a sudden the balance comes right back. It's not a matter of how strong the first one is. It's just, you just got to keep going. But, okay, so now we go into the next round here where the assassins are all standing around you and Jarzak falls down in a slump over the bed after getting stabbed brutally by the poisoned blade. And our friends, the assassins, unfortunately, get to go again. Now, not at advantage. Uh, realizing that Jarzak was down for the count, um, one of them is going to try to finish the job and continue stabbing you as you fall to the ground. Um, so he stabs at your unconscious body. And I I don't like the whole death throws thing being like, isn't it an instant two if you get wounded? I thought it was one. It's two. two. I've always... It's two. Yeah. Is it really two? Yep. Or or fuck, dude. That, that shadow strike. Let's go. Damn. Nah, I don't, I don't do the two. I do the one. Because that feels like so weird to just be I like, no, I finished so the job for reasons. So I mean, that's take what the one. <laughs> but that's what assassins do. But I'm hitting yeah. with the one. That's one. Now, and then now that that's done with, the other one's attacking you guys. Well, um, does it poison damage too? Again, or is the poison no. gone? No, poison single use. Okay. If not, that'd be fucked. That, that would insta kill me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's why I'm like, no, I no. Poison can only do that once. It wipes off on your guts. Uh, so first, uh, Norhill, I got a twelve. That is one less than you need. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and then for Anton, I got an eleven. That hit. <laughs> are you using a shield too i mean oh are we actually you you said we are bringing our shields i figured you can just carry it on your back like i, I shield uh, like having to put on your entirety have, of armor I have, I have feels 12 for ac so that means you just lost right that's why i figured i'm like especially because Kleka has her shield but i just figured a shield is like you just throw it on your back with your armor on your side it just feels like you know what i mean and then Kleka, yeah. the last one i got was a 15 that messes. Nice. So, all the assassins circling around, except for the one that's just absolutely shanking the shit out of Jarzak on the ground. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel good about it. Okay. Um. So, next, uh, we're going to go to Anton. I'm casting heal on Jarzak. You're going to get immediate 70 hit points. Wait, what? 70? Yeah. Heal. Yeah, heals the good stuff. God, this is a this is the stick stuff. You're getting I, I, that positive energy juice. Oh, by the way, Dan, you are actually right uh, about attacking a down creature. It is only one automatic failure. It's two if it's a crit. Right, right, right. Which I didn't. I got a 15 on it. But, okay. So, 70 to Jarzak? Yeah. Holy fuck. Was that cast through the staff you said, or was that you? No, that's that's me. Oh, Jesus, I gotta be careful well, with the you know, staff because I only have three charges left, and if that if I empty all the charges and I roll a one, which is always a chance, the staff disappears forever. <laughs> well, yeah, but I I also hate using those rules. I'm I mean, obviously, it's too late now to go in with the whole charges rules, but like I I hate the re-roll at dawn baloney. I like it. It's like oh. a wand comes with thirty charges, and then you have total understanding and control how many are left. Having it just like recharge overnight because you plug it in. Can, I don't even think the staff of healing can use heal. No, it can't even use heal. 
What a dumb, stupid thing. It can only use cure wounds, lesser restoration, and mass cure wounds. What a bunch of weak ass spells. Anyway, so you heal Jarzak with the blinding holy light of uh your your god there. The illuminator. It's yeah, specifically right. positive energy. You can do it. Um okay. <laughs> and so now what are you gonna do? Are you gonna move? Um that was an action. Well, that's why I, I figured you could either move or I don't know if moving's gonna really help me out right now. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, I think so I'm now, just going to keep my shield at the ready in case one of them comes whacking in. Okay. Uh, so now it goes to Jarzak, who just got healed for 70 fucking points. Yeah! <laughs> uh, Jarzak stands up. Uh, can I, The guy who kind of backed out a little, how far away is he? he? At this point, from where you guys walked into the tent... Because it's about 60 feet deep. He's about 30 feet out and you can't see him anymore. Okay. Um, Jarzak might cast a spell. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, How close are all the guys? Are they all pretty close to each other? Because we were all pretty close to each other. Yeah, if the bed in between you is like three feet wide, everybody was on one of the two sides, right? I pictured. And these guys have circled around you and are all in base contact. So the farthest anybody would be from you is about 10 to 13 feet. So like on a cone, how many of them could I get? Uh, Everybody, including the old lady in the bed who's now dead. Yeah, she's dead anyway. That's fine. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> I hope it's a good cone. Cairo sleep. Alright. They'll need to make a con saving throw. What are you doing? Seven, 17. I'm doing Kona Cold. What? And you're hitting the party members too? I, I, I'm I was just talking about bad guys. I thought you were saying all the bad guys and the lady. No, no, no. They're the the bad guys have surrounded you, and you guys are standing around the bed. So, if to hit everybody, you would hit literally everybody in this room. Anton could take it. His soul is cold. Yeah. I don't think you should do it. I think that's a bad idea. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, I thought it was just the bad guys and the lady. I was fine with that. The party, I'm not so fine with. Yeah, you know, I mean, you could definitely, if you wanted to walk out of the base contact with the guy you're currently against, uh, you could definitely get in a position that you could hit two of them in a line. Or I guess technically you could stand in a position you could hit two without even leaving base contact with one of them. So you said I can't see the guy who left the tent. Would I be able to use no, my he... bonus action teleport to get towards him? Because I have to be moving towards like an enemy, but... I don't know how it works if I can't see him. Well, because at that point, technically, you'd just be teleporting to where he once was. So I'd say that probably doesn't really count at that point. All right, I pull out Domero's luck. But, okay. I know, I don't mean to, like, say no, like, twice in a row on that one. But at the same time, I'm like, you don't know where he went. Well, you were getting stabbed and died and fell unconscious there on the ground. Yep. Like, he was no longer there. So for you to stand up and be like, I saw him go left. Um, no, I tel I'll teleport behind the one on Anton so that I have flanking. Okay, perfect. 24 to hit. That's good. 8 damage. Is it 8? Yep. 
Okay. Uh, 29 to hit. That's good. Uh, 9 damage. Okay. Is that it? Yep. Excellent. Okay. Uh, so now it goes to Norhill. All right. Uh, can you just describe the current state of the battlefield real quick? Yeah, the the overall width of the of the uh, the tent is about thirty feet wide. It's about sixty feet deep. You guys are about at the midpoint of it, meaning you're about thirty feet from the flaps of the entrance. Uh, there are some torches. Uh, sorry, not torches. Yeah, that's safe. Some lanterns hanging from the posts that are holding up the tent in here, and the ceiling of the tent goes up about ten to twelve feet at the highest points in the middle. Down the line, there's posts in the middle, the largest ones, and on the sides. And there's beds interspersed on both the left and the right side going all the way back. The party are currently standing in a circle around the bed, except for Jarzak. Um, I imagine Norhill and Anton always hanging together. Norhill is probably closest to Antonea, and then Anton was by his side. And then Klika and Jarzak were on the other side of the bed. Now Jarzak is standing behind Anton, or sorry, the assassin on Anton, meaning that he's closest to the middle of the room. There are assassins behind each of your characters, except for the one that was standing behind Jarzak, who's now standing vacantly, leaving two beside Klika and the party of you three on the left side. Uh, the one that Jarzak just hit twice, how does it look? Uh, he's not super bloodied. It seems like he's dodged much of the uh, the woeful blow of Domro's luck. Alright, uh, the assassins themselves, uh, they're, they're dressed all in black. Do they seem to be human? They do seem to be human. Okay. Uh, Norhill is going to step into flanking with Jarzak. Okay. Uh, so and... we'll say you step up next to Anton to get that, sure. Yep, and he's going to attack uh, the one that has already been attacked twice. All right, that's going to be a 22 to hit. Okay. And this is going to be a, a disarming attack. Uh, so it's in addition to taking some extra damage, it's going to need to make a DC 16 strength saving throw uh, in order to okay. avoid dropping its weapon. I got a five. All right, so the draw the weapon drops at its feet. Uh, okay. So that's going to be 19 points of magical uh, piercing and lightning damage. Is it 19? 19. Holy smokes! So now he's bloodied. You break his wrist to make his sword go flying. Then I'm going to hit him again. Okay. Uh, for a dirty 20 to hit. That's good. Uh, for a further 11 points of magical piercing and lightning damage. Okay, that's a kill. Describe it. Uh, so, first of all, like you said, I break his wrist and force him to drop his weapon. Uh, and then on the backswing, I catch him in the side of the head and drop him. Nice. So with that, uh, bright red blood flies out of the open flap where his eye holes are as one of his eyeballs goes flying out of his skull from that terrible crack. And as he falls to the ground with a thud, the other assassins seem to circle in now, uh, moving in on the party even more viciously. But uh, if that's the end of your turn, Norhill. Yes. Okay, it'll go to Klika. Uh, as a, a reaction, as they're dying, I'm going to use Soul Cage to trap their soul. Okay. What does that do? I snatched their soul. And now I have it. 
You just have their soul. What are you keeping the soul in? The soul cage. Cage, uh, silver cage that costs money. I was gonna say, wait a minute. Do you have just a soul cage? What is the what is the vesicle that you will put this in? The receptacle. It'll be himself. He doesn't have a soul. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think he wants spooky he assassin soul. No, put it in one of my jars that used to have dirt in it or blood. <laughs> It's got a little pill bug in it. Oh my god, yeah. Well, it's a like, tiny silver cage worth a hundred gold, but you know, whatever. I guess I'll I I'll, mean, uh I, I can minus a hundred gold. <laughs> if you'd like to, what you could do is you could say it's the jar that you guys kept your soul in, and you just put yours in there instead his in there. Little spooky diamond one. Perfect, yeah. That totally works. If anything, that's kind of cool lore. You got that from a fucking necromancer, little lich man. That's pretty sweet. Okay, so with that, the three of them who see you slurp his soul into there, witness the blue-gray wisp of his life essence fall out of his open eye hole and fall into the jar, realize very quickly that they may not be the most evil in the room. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, Klika, you're up. Great. Uh, bonus action, Shadow Blade. Uh, and then... Our... Out of the three that are remaining, are there two of them that are within five feet of each other? Yes. Two of them across the bed from one another, yeah. And I will move into base contact with the two of them, and I'm going to attack with... Make a booming blade, shadow blade attack on both. For what it's worth, to do that, you're going to climb on the bed at Antonia's feet. Are you okay with that? Hmm... Am I small enough to just go under the bed and stab them? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. Great. Now I don't have to disrespect the dead. Um, As Darzak slurps their soul out like a fucking bendy straw. Just... All right. So, <laughs> first one. You don't have to feel bad about that. Uh, 21 to hit. That's good. For 32 damage of. Psychic and thunder damage. Jesus Christ. And that was on the first one? Yep. And the second one okay. is a 26 to hit for 37 damage. You know, I feel like you were really sad that you weren't able to do that psychic damage before. And now you're just laying full ham oh, on yeah. these guys. Well, yeah. sucks they're both very bloody. Yeah, you mean, I think you mean ham square, Dan? Yeah, the ham cube. My wonderful boiled ham cube. Um, okay. They're lucky I don't have Fury the small up, or they'd be fucking getting it. <laughs> yeah, one of them would have died. Anyway, you didn't hear that. Um, so now, as it stands, at the end of the round, if that's the end of your turn. That'll do it. Okay. At the end of the round, there are three assassins left. One of them behind where Jarzak was standing. Uh, one of them by where Kalika was standing. And one by where Norhill was standing. Uh, the one by where Norhill was standing is totally uninjured, where the other ones are brutally wounded from being stabbed in the legs by Kalika and her fucking knife under a bed. Mm. Talk about scary movies. Let's talk about Kalika, the fucking ankle biter. Um, no, no, okay. no, no, no. At the top of the round... The wounded one uh, that was standing behind where Klinka was standing pulls a small jar of sand out of his pocket, and as he holds it up in the air, he says something under his breath, 
and it's nearly imperceptible. If you guys would like to roll a perception check. I have no idea. I rolled a natural one. Nine. Nineteen. Okay. Um, I got a six. Okay. So Jarzak overhears him as he holds it up, puts it to where his lips would be behind his cowl and his little mouth guard thing there. And uh, he hears under his breath, he says, forgive me, princes, for I have failed. And with that, he drops the jar upon the ground and sand pours out at a rate that seems like supernatural by the size and dimensions of the jar. And as the sand just kind of like puffs out, almost like in Diablo 2 when the loot just comes pouring out and like the gold pieces and those annoying little stacks when you kill like a boss or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? The sand just keeps pouring out from like the cracked glass on the floor. And the other assassins seeing this nod in agreement and one of them smashes the lantern over Antonia's bed onto the bed, and the bed immediately catches fire as oil and fire catch together, blazing upon the bedsheets and upon the edge of the tent. And at this point, the most wounded of the assassins uh, ducks and rolls out of here at full speed to the other side of the tent, at full speed making it to the edge. He takes nine uh, thunder damage. He dies as he runs away. As Let's see if the away. other one does it too. Just, yeah, he realizes as he's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Hope okay. you enjoy so, yeah. burning to death. You, you just hear an implosion just whop. <laughs> he just does a somersault to his death. Uh. Click under the bed, just like... Um, so with that, uh, it goes to the uh, top of the round with Anton. How's everyone feeling right now? Is anyone like bloody? Angry. Almost. I just no, I'm good. I'm I'm good. That seventy helped. And now I have a soul to slurp, so this this battle is all but won. Dan, were you saying that the whole charge thing we're not we're not are we actually? Am I actually using charges with that stick or no? Oh, you're using the fifth edition rules for it. It's too late now to start imposing that. Okey doey. What are you gonna do? It's not a terrible. Item. I think it just makes for items that feel I don't know, like unbreakable, which is fine. But I think I'm gonna use this on me just because I, if I get hit again, I am going to go down. Thought <laughs> that that would happen. It has happened. No, I'll just I'll let you drink some of the soul. Oh my god. Cracking up an ethereal one. Oh no. So to Jarzak, would a soul taste good or bad? Give him a gauntlet. I mean, I don't know what a soul would taste like. Do they normally taste good? It's Damn. Not a question we're meant to answer. <laughs> I don't I think there's like much else I can do at this before. point. What'd you say, Bronnie? I don't think there's much else I can do at this point. Okay. Bonus actions, no. I just heal myself and I keep my shield with already. Okay. How much did you heal yourself for? 19 points. Nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, so in that case, now it goes to Jarzak. Okay. Jarzak. The fire now raging beside you guys. Yeah, that's fine. Jarzak's going to teleport after him. How far away are they? 30 feet-ish, right? No, actually, the two by the bed, the one who dropped the glass jar, didn't move. 
And then the one who smacked the thing on the wall didn't move either. The one who did run got popped by the booming blade okay. and died. Perfect. So, uh, yeah, you can actually split your attacks at this point. Can I line up so I can Kona cold those two? And maybe uh, hit yes, the fire? You, yeah, you will be hitting the uh, Antonea on the bed, though that's, I think she might be on fine. fire in the next round anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I knew you didn't care. I just figured the people at home should know that you're defacing. No, I'm not hitting any of my allies, right? Like, aren't I no. under the bed? <laughs> <laughs> you are under the bed, but he'll put his hands over it. You'll be fine. All right, no, I'll I'll aim uh, the cone up. Ah. <laughs> I'll say that you've got the cover you need for it. Can you imagine the terror though, as you're laying under the bed and just icicles come shrapneling through it, and you're just like, Jarzak, what the hell? And you just icicles just harpooning through the bed at you uh, and it's a <laughs> con save for them like i so. thought you did like i thought you blinked uh both failed they both take 36 damage that's a lot of ones that's good that's great oh cone of cone Welcome to my life. Game, i no. think you mean freeze round <laughs> yeah right so the one that was behind norhill is gravely wounded by this uh, though the fire next to him uh, appears to go out from how much ice just like absolutely covers that. Um, which, yeah, Jarzak's actually a hero. Although the one who was coming after you and tried to kill you when you were laying on the ground, uh, he is torn to shreds by the Cone of Coldness. So at this point, the only one left is the wounded one standing by the now not burning tent. Uh, and Jarzak's going to move over towards the exit to block it and maybe peek out, see if you can see the other person. Okay. And so once you look outside, you don't see anybody of note out there wearing spooky black, but instead you see gathered clerics and priests of Glory Wake, as well as commoners, as well as some of the guards holding weapons at the ready and not really entirely sure what's happening in there or what to do, but circling the entrance as if to help at some point. Jarzak's going to put up, like, a hand to have them, like, hold off, like, halt, so that they don't go <laughs> rushing into the burning building. <laughs> okay. So now it goes to Norhill. Uh, Norhill is going to approach the last guy. Okay. Uh, and swing in on him. Okay, I have a feeling you're going to kill this man in one hit. So as you approach, he holds his hands up to his face in a very strange hand shape, almost like the letters like P and Q or something like that with his fingers up by his face. And as he does so, he says something under his breath as well. Uh, well, let's see here. Uh, is a 24 going to hit? Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be 14 points of magical piercing and lightning damage. That is non-lethal. Oh, okay. Well, you knock him square the fuck out by clobbering him across the jaw. So at that point, um, now that he's nailed to the ground unconscious, uh, it's going to go to Klika, as you can see, unless Norhill's done. That was the last one. Norhill going to break his hand, too? Um, <laughs> no, this guy's in He's going to be questioned, then he's going to the gallows, but... Um, <laughs> So he's down. He was the last one uh, that Norhill was aware of, that Norhill was aware of that was left alive. Right. The only thing left is the overflowing font of sand on the ground, yeah, the, which now uh, is a pile about the size of a halfling or a clica. The fire is out. Mm-hmm. Norhill is going to try it, to. Yeah, is on ice. 
Uh, Norhill is going to try to stifle the growing pile of sand. Okay. Very well. So as you fall into the pile, can you roll me a constitution saving throw? By fall into, I mean like try to cover it, not like you fell in and you just fall through a dimensional portal or something. Uh, 14. So you fall through a dimensional portal. No, I'm just kidding. So as you land <laughs> on top of it like that, try to cover it, it puffs and billows and it's like hot to the touch and it gets in your eyes and blinds you for a minute. <laughs> what is this? Okay. Now it goes to Klika as you notice a couple of limbs in the sand. Judging by the fact you're under the bed, you see two limbs forming from the sand pile and reaching on the ground as if climbing out from its own pile. And Norhill's sitting on top of it saying, what is this? Cool. They look like limbs made of sand, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Like oh, I get it. Yeah, like a sand elemental. That's probably immune to psychic damage. Would you stop making it sound like I'm targeting you? Can uh, Klika might just... I mean, if no one knows she's under here, just take a little nappy. <laughs> Break off one of the frozen bed sheets and just put that over her. And <laughs> For whatever it's worth. That probably feels good. Uh, it's not immune to psychic damage. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to attack it anyway. Once Klika knows that it's like taking a shape and realizes what was in the flask, she's going to give up trying to find the flask and just try and stop this thing from causing any more problems. So, Fair enough. I, I will spend two sorcery points to quicken spell so I can attack twice. Okay. Is this thing technically prone right now? Uh, I will give you that. Okay, so a 19 to hit. That is good. And that'll be a 26 mix psychic thunder damage. And then for the second attack, another 19. So 29 uh, mix damage. Dang. So total of a lot 55 yeah i think 55 total jesus okay so you're able to like stab at the at the limbs that are crawling out of the sand and each time you do you manage to disrupt its growth and it just kind of like aimlessly poofs to the ground with like a pile of dust can you roll me a constitution saving throw too i can that's a 23 Nice. So you managed to shield your eyes after seeing Norhill fighting uh, for his <laughs> life with the sand. Yeah. Okay. Norhill led the way again. Thanks, Norhill. <laughs> you know, Who the road was paved. Mistakes. you are, you're welcome. Um, okay. And that'll okay. do it for Klika. Okay, so then in the top of the round, our sandy friend pulls himself out of the ground, knocking Norhill over uh, as he does so, standing up at a pretty immense seven feet tall. Um, this thing looks to be overpoweringly, uh, overpoweringly strong, and it seems to be taking most of its sandy shape. But after being pretty well disrupted by Klika, it definitely looks like this would have been a lot worse a second ago. 
Um, it looks down at a very blinded Norhill, and with a vicious uh, sort of facsimile of a human appearance, similar to that of the assassins, it reaches out with sharp and like brutal-looking sandy claws and reaches in and tries to kill you. As it does so, uh, your armor class is 13, and I have advantage because you're blind. So, first is a hit with a 21, and the second uh, would have been a fumble. use a warding maneuver on that first hit. Okay, what does that do? Uh, so, first of all, that's going to give me an armor class of 20. Um, okay. But also resistance uh, against any damage taken from this particular attack. So it still hits, and you take... 3d8 plus 5, 6, 9, 14 points of slashing damage. So, at uh, with the resistance, 7. And as it swings in a second time, it manages to hit with a 26... And it, again, tries to slash in on you. Because you have teammates around you, the damage is less. I'm not going to say why, but it looks like the sand pile is trying to wrap around you and fill your wonderful holes with sand. Oh, it was no. like the beach. Um, describe so point, you... describe Norhill's wonderful holes for us. <laughs> All of them. Oh, ah. Very, very good care of <laughs> you take 16 more points of damage as it slashes you again. You realize that the warmth of it seems to make glass within the sand, and it tears at your flesh with each raking grasp. Uh, Norhill is badly bloodied at this point. Anton, that's your cue. Finish him off. Yeah. Finish him off. Okay. Um, and now, if you hadn't uh, healed Jarzak and you killed... Uh... Norhill, right here. You could have been the king of the elves, or the king of the orcs, the dwarves, and the humans. You blew it. Was the first one, and that was the wrong one. I don't know why that's so funny. That, like, yeah. By technicality, you win the elves. It's like it's yeah. Like if risk, you get right? enough of the other ones, you also just get the elves. <laughs> it's a, a morale <laughs> victory. Um, yeah. So, uh, Anton, it's actually your turn. I want so, Sandman is standing in front of you. I want to whack this guy with an ice spell. I think that might fuck him up a little bit. Maybe. Hmm. I just wish I could... I feel like I can't do more than one fucking thing in a turn, and it's very frustrating. Um, That's good. It's extremely frustrating. Because uh, I can't use... Because the staff is... I mean, don't forget, your entire party gets to go after you do, too, so... You know... Mm-hmm. There's a good chance the party might win unless things this thing's got a dirty trick up its sleeve. So you could either take that as a sign that you could focus on healing, or you could take this as a sign that given a good whomping might help get this thing along its way. It already looks very well disrupted from what Klika did to it. Just the whole not having really much to do during a turn is extremely frustrating after a while. Cure bones and Norhill. You get 28 points back. God. Damn. I also love that Norhill with his eyes full of sand. Just big, sandy, like, Freddy Krueger scratches on his belly. And Anton's like, you got him, tiger! <laughs> just Norhill aims in the wrong direction, starts swinging wildly. Like, come here, you sandbox! <laughs> so, okay. Now, uh, if that's the end of your turn, it'll go to Jarzak. 
Um, the one I killed with the cone of cold, that he was a humanoid, right? Yep. Perfect. Um, then he's gonna come back as a specter. Very good. Okay. Wasn't there weird rules for how the specter's strength and everything was? But it like yeah, functions it as a, a typical specter, some boosts. Yep, the plus five temp HP and plus five bonus to its attack rolls. Dang. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna walk back in and start hitting it with Domro's luck. Okay. How soon can the specter act? Uh, it has its own initiative that I need to roll real quick. Okay. So it was supposed to pop up immediately when I killed it, but I forgot to say it. So I, we just haven't fought so humanoids a... in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a plus two to dex, too. If you want, I can just roll them in. Uh, 11. Okay. okay, so he'll go right after Norhill. Okay. Okay. All right, and I'm going to come swinging in. Thomas Luck. And if I could get flanking mm-hmm. with anyone, you do. yeah. Perfect. Yep. Norhill. He's blind, but he's very threatening. Matt 20. God oh, damn. This is it. Hell yeah. Oh, no. Wait, Domero's luck? Yeah. Dun, ba, da, ba, da, bum, ba, 19 da, ba, da, damage. Oh, no, we can't have another snowman. And <laughs> we could have a lot worse than that. Yeah, I feel it's going to be a lot worse than that. This is a very busy room right now. <laughs> oh, no. I'm rolling like a 10,000, right? Yeah, D10,000. Oh, Jarzak, why you gotta ruin my campaigns? What why you gave you us? Make, like, why did you have to make Domer of luck? I just wanted to seem like a cool guy. <laughs> and you are, and it yeah. is cool. And I have this really awesome sword that does like three times the damage, but I'm not gonna use it. I have Tomro's luck. <laughs> You're just a gambler. Well, what'd you get? 8,229. Okay. 8229. Alright, here we go, everybody. Let's see how my campaign comes to a close. Here I was worried that the assassins were gonna finish you off, let alone now we find out that Domro's luck was in for hey, I told you, Jarzak wasn't even supposed to be here. I would have been with my queen. <laughs> oh, that's horrifying. Uh oh. So as you hit the sand and like disperse like a big chunk of the sand it falls on the ground and you realize that like as you keep stepping forward and preparing to like you know take another swing on it the ground beneath your feet crunches in a very very strange strange way the grass beneath your feet because this tent is really just placed upon like a field uh it it stands up in a very very odd and unnatural way and when you look down at it and it see it has a very shiny sheen to it the entirety of all of the grass within this tent has a very strange sheen to it and it all stands up perfectly straight it doesn't sharpen under your boots but when it stands up it kind of like and like stands up in a very strange unnatural way you got another attack yes Domro's luck again. Roll another, okay. roll another crit. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right. What'd you get for damage? Eight. Okay. So with that, this thing looks horribly beaten and uh, 
Um, it does not look like it's doing well. Uh, is that the end of your turn? Yeah, and it was 19 damage on my crit. I'm not sure if you heard that, but... Sure did. It okay. is very bloodied at this point. Click managed to do half of its fucking health in the first round, and it wasn't even here yet, so... You know... But now it goes yeah. to Norhill, who I think Clico may finish the job. to go to bed. Again. She's tired. <laughs> Done with all, all this. Right, so let's see. Uh, flanking with Jarzak uh, brings me back up to a rolling flat against the blindness. Right. Are you rolling against the blindness? Well, you know, blindness would give me disadvantage, right? So th- that's what I mean when I say that. Uh, 19 to hit? What would you mean? I thought you were just casting magic missile against the darkness, but you're fighting blindness. What'd you get? 19 to hit. That's good. Uh, nine points of magical bludgeoning and lightning damage this time. Okay. You said nine? So, yep. still looking pretty brutal. Could I get another constitution saving throw? Uh, this one from Jarzak, sorry. Uh, while Jarzak's rolling his constitution save, that's going to be a 29 to hit. Okay. Nice that's work. Good. Was it a one? And to be honest, this would also apply to Klika too, and to Anton for the uh, constitution saving throws. 22. Uh, second. What'd you get, Jarzak? Not a one, so a five, because I rolled a two. (laughs) Very good. And then what about Anton? Got a 12. Nice. Okay, so Jarzak and Anton are both blinded by the sand as well, as it tufts up in big clouds into their eyes. How much damage did Norhill do? Uh, 18 on the second attack. Jesus. Okay, so with that, it is officially dissipated completely and shatters into a big cascade of sand before laying dormant on the ground. Uh, you wouldn't know that because you're blind, nor would Anton nor Jarzak, but Klika assures you that it's dead. Only <laughs> blind for nine more rounds. Okay, and so with that, the room is silent, and immediately people from the outside come charging in, people crying out to make sure that you're all okay. Seeing the tragedy on the bed of Antonia's frozen and mutilated corpse, as well as the half-burned tent and the dead and single unconscious uh, assassin, they all scream out, and somebody yells out, and he's like, an assassin! Assassins! Indeed, yes. Raise the hue and cry for murder. Also, somebody bring me some water. (laughs) And so that the uh, the healers immediately tend to all of your blindness and seem to get the sand out of your eyes. And looking down at the inert sand pile on the ground, everybody looks very confused. But somebody cries out and they say, they've done something to the grasses. Here, look. And somebody points outside at a tree. And the tree also looks glossy. And when he pushes his hand on it, it falls over and bounces. Click across from under the from out from under the bed, <laughs> looks over. Just stares directly at Jarzak. It uh, Jar- must it must have been the guy who ran away. Jarzak, a, a cloaked <laughs> figure who ran off at the beginning. Jarzak, I want you to come here right now. No one else saw him but me. But he really was here. So he just points that, to the ground in else, front of her <laughs> for Jarzak everybody to kneel else, down. Nobody else notices the uh, the man outside either. So it seems like you're, again, just spotting Sasquatches. This happens too often to Jarzak. I don't know why it is that you're so good at peeping, but for some reason, Jarzak is just the bespectacled man. He just, he is just, 
perceptive with those beady little bug eyes. But yeah, so as the party walk outside and see the site to be seen, uh, about a hundred feet stretching from every side of the tent, all the plant life has a strange and unnatural, like a luster, like uh, sorry, luster to it, like a certain sheen. And once you put your hands on branches, they just kind of like waggle back and forth when you let go. And there's a certain level of stretch to them that seems just so unnatural. People seem so scared by this, but more than not, people are just happy that you're all okay and that you've managed to survive. Jarzak's gonna try to jump on it, see if it's like Jarzak. Before you do anything else, you need to fix up Antonia. This is what? Yeah. Suddenly, a specter flies out from the dead assassin on the ground and scares the shit out of everybody. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's with me. Uh, <laughs> we... uh, yeah, I'm gonna go check on my queen. No, Jarzak. Look what you've done to her. Yeah, poured sand all over her and burned her. That was definitely the assassins. Mm. Is is there anything, Anton, maybe if there's a couple of other priests present that they can do to, like, um, help preserve the body and prepare it for if it's being buried or cremated? I don't know if she had a wish. Jarzak's also Ooh. going to help because Cleek is not letting him leave until he does Jarzak's going to put his hand with the frost ring on her and just, it's getting worse, Kleeka! You're such a fucking asshole. So with that, as she begins to your up, hand. Or <laughs> um, that, yeah, they they are able to, you know, preserve the uh, the dead with their uh, spells there. Um, but don't we they have just a sort prisoner of... too? Yeah, yeah, there um, is an unconscious one. Uh, Norhill is going to pay his respects uh, to Antonia and then accompany. Uh, whoever helps him take the prisoner to the brig okay. to make sure he gets I imagine, safe and sound. I imagine the party members will be able to help you out with that one. Um. Okay, so were you actually trying to bring him to like a barracks? Whatever would be the most secure prison we have in town. Okay. The last prison you went to that actually had like locking cells was the one that Caracol was in charge of. But now that Margay's back, he's gone. And there are some guards who are standing watch at the actual prison. But recognizing you and the rest of the party, um, on good word from Caracol and Margay, you know, just anybody with a pulse who cares about their future, they all trust you with whatever it is that you're doing. And so as you are guided into the most thoroughly uh, preserved cell within the place, they allow you to lock the guy up. And with the amount of metal bars in this cage and the size of it, it definitely seems like he would have a hard time getting out. And uh, before uh, we lock him up and throw away the key, Norhill is going to go through his pockets. Uh, looking through his pockets, it doesn't seem like there's really much of anything of value, like, at all. The only thing he has on him is the scabbard for his short sword, as well as a pair of spare daggers on his very uh, stylish black leather boots, his cloak and blackened leathers, and once you, like, pull down his face mask and his cowl, he looks to be a human, uh, but his skin tone is darker than that of what's kind of around here you know he looks like a man who spent his lifetime in the sun you know and being a man on the sort of mid-range in the continent you would know that this is sort of a typical appearance for somebody from Taihalon, the trio of city-states 
known for their uh, yep. questionable antics. Yeah, uh, Norhill is going to relieve him of his weapons and his cowl um, and let the guards put those somewhere safe before going to finally finish his long rest. The uh, halflings and gnomes who are currently here working as guards uh, shackle him up with wrist and arm bands as well as lock him up in there. Uh, closing the shades from the outside to make sure he doesn't know what time of day it is and he has no comforts available to him. Um, but, okay, so with that, after the uh, Antonia is given sort of a peaceful treatment after being subjected to the cone of coldness, um, the people uh, thank you guys for what happened and apologize, but nobody apparently saw any of them coming. And they say that they came in with a night's breeze and nobody knew they were there at all. And as Jarzak mentions the man in the street, nobody even knows that there's a fifth person. So as the rest of the party are able to get back to the tavern and get their long rest in, was there anything else anybody wanted to do? Jarzak was going to stop in to make sure the queen wasn't assassins as well. I know he had orcs protecting her, but I don't, I don't know about that. Those guys are sneaky. Okay. And you're saying this is in the Orcish camp? Well, it was at uh, the tavern? Sucky no, by it was Storm? at the, the guy's house. Because he was trying to get her mind right. Oh, Elder Felthistle? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he only he cast the one spell he needed to, so she was just exhausted at this point. At this point, she was fine to go home with whomever. Okay, so yeah, then I probably would have had her go to the orcs. Okay. So as you go back to the orc camp, um, your second in command here gives you sort of a knowing look as he sees that you are very well wounded from whatever it is that you were up to beforehand. I'm actually looking uh, great. <laughs> way, You're covered in sand. Than... Okay? No, no. Listen, you... I no. still look way better than earlier where I was super bloody. <laughs> I think you got better. I, went <laughs> yeah. out there, I came back and I got better. Um, uh, but yeah. So uh, with that Agarak, the uh, sort of second in command there uh, gives you a nod and says that nobody has done anything around the camp and he advises you to find a better place for her to stay. He says that once she gets into her right mind, the humans of Amaroth who are here in encampment will certainly feel like this is a very strange political move for her to be encamped by her last known enemies across the ocean to the west. And that uh, you might want to start planning uh, something of a very political way to get her out of here uh, once she's better. Hey, bud, it's because it is a political move. And I'm not going to leave her protection to people who can't even handle protecting her. And with that, he says, I appreciate your tenacity. You are indeed a very uh, confident leader. But I warn you that with having saved her and her country having the chance to rise again, people will look at this moment and either remember it honorably or question it. I mean, our flag is flying at her keep. <laughs> he gives you sort of a knowing look and a nod, respecting your leadership and questioning your decisions. And with that, yeah, Jarsa, I guess you know what? You're right. 
I'll take her with me. Which probably isn't going to look any better than leaving her here. It's a neutral space. The dwarves have it. Nobody's got problems yeah, with Yeah, I mean, it's just me carrying her with the, like, holding my, like, soul lantern and having a specter all over my other shoulder. Like, yeah, what, what am I taking her to? <laughs> yeah, a couple of the orcs can bring her out on a, on like, a stretcher style bed and bring her there. Um, and so people being four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning don't really take much notice of this, but she's dropped off at the succubus scorn and treated to the nicest room in the entire inn, uh, waited on hand and foot by the dwarvish attendants there to make sure that she is feeling well throughout the evening. And I'm going to have my specter sit in with her to keep guard on her all night. You know, wake up and have a fucking heart attack. Hey. She's like, finally, I'm safe. <laughs> the succubi just... Blah, blah, blah. I mean, the inspector. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, maybe the succubi shows up, too. I don't know. Anyway. So everybody gets the stomach and heals the soul after long, drawn-out trauma. The heaviest beer and stew you can imagine. Anyway, so she becomes half-dwarvish after this. Um, so at this point, uh, morning light comes... Uh, and with it comes gray clouds on the horizon. Um, as the uh, morning comes to you guys, you all wake up and uh, everybody's fully healed because this is fifth edition. And um, the queen herself seems to rise, though she seems rather skittish and confused, uh, having seemed to have woken up from a dreamy state. And as she lets herself out of her chambers in some very old and very soiled clothing from having been tortured for all that time, uh, a couple of the dwarvish attendants bring her some fresh clothing to wear, and she approaches the party, or at least demands to speak with you all. Uh, yeah, Norhill will see her, but also do his best to make it seem like an official audience. Right, you know, like Norhill sitting in the big chair, uh, you know, all uh, done up, wearing his armor, uh, the helm steel brand and everything. Uh, mm. Silver sign uh, at his hand, so that he looks like the king of the board. Very well. Okay, did anybody else want to try to flex on this poor, decrepit individual? Uh, how long was our long rest? Um, I mean, I'd say that you get a functional long rest, so it's at this point like noon. Noon and it was four? Okay. Yeah, it was like four in the morning, so why? I just I, I wanted to do stuff with my soul cage before it ran out. I just didn't know. Oh yeah, you could do that. Would... I mean, you could have done it last night if you wanted to. Yeah, but I kind of want the party there because we can ask it questions, so... Oh, well, how much? How long does it last in there? Eight, eight hours. So, <laughs> oh yeah, then you'd be fine. It, it's one of those okay. things that again, a long rest just means downtime for eight hours. I mean, elves only sleep for four or whatever. So it's like you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. So it's like yeah, you'd be fine. The party can gather there before the uh, lady arrives. So perhaps you gather them first, and the party are already gathered when she calls for you. So what would you like to do with your spooky soul cage? Hey, uh, we can ask this thing questions, by the way, guys. Really? If there's mm. anything we want to find out. Well, all I want to know is who sent them and why. 
Okay. Uh, who sent you? It's a... Uh... And... You ask the soul a question, no action required, and receive a brief telepathic answer, which you can understand regardless of the language used. The soul knows only what it knew in life, but it must answer you truthfully and to the best of its ability. The answer is no Okay. more than a sentence or two and might be cryptic. Yeah. Um, okay. So, from within the cage, the uh, little glass jar where your soul once danced and was uh, resolved, um, the voice from within comes with a thick accent from the Southlands, and it calls back to you and says, I was sent by the Fox Prince. Are you sure you want to know why? Because I'm pretty sure it's just to kill us. Like, Like, why, though? Like, okay, we need what? a little more context here. Does this have anything to do with the king? Why were you sent here? I was sent to kill you. Yeah, that checks out. Why does the fox <laughs> prince want us dead? Let's see. So I'm pretty sure, yeah, so we basically get six questions out of it because it's six Yeah. exploits. Okay. And so you said, why does the fox prince want you dead? And so, um, again, without missing a beat, the soul telepathically communicates back to you and just says, I do not question the Fox Prince. The Council of Princes are not questioned. Jarzak, ask him about the other guy you saw. Or if, like, Oh, yeah. we can, if they had, like, a hideout or something in the city, or a rendezvous point. Where's the fifth person who left the tent? And with that, the voice calls back and says, he lives in the shadows. Well, that doesn't How do, help. how do we reach him? How many questions is that? That's number five, right? This this will be five, yeah. Um, and to reach him? Okay. The voice again echoes back in your mind and says, he is not found. He will always find you. You got a riveting sixth question? What's your favorite color? Uh, Unless you want to just is slurp there his soul down. no is would you let us save it because I assume we're going to the interrogate the other guy real quick would you let us Yeah, save I'll I'll it let till you, then I'll let you guys say that. Yeah, totally. okay okay uh yeah I think we're just gonna use this last one to see if the prisoners you know lying to us and then we'll just they'll both be gone if he is easy enough Sounds good. Okay. So that the queen comes down, having heard you guys were down here uh, and expecting a meeting. You guys are all well-dressed and prepared for such a meeting. Um, but as she approaches, she stops for a moment and she says, uh, in a very sheepish tone, one that doesn't feel like it belongs to the same queen. Seeing her in this state, it may just be the fact she's so off guard in a dwarvish inn in a gnomish settlement surrounded by strangers who dressed her and have found her after what appears to be years of torment and torture. But before you, our 20-year-old princess uh, become queen Stands before you, beautiful as the day is long. She stands before you and says, I, Queen Alvir Gerivar, give you brave adventurers my sincerest of thanks. I do not know entirely what has happened, but 
I have flitting memories of all of your faces. And I thank you all for whatever you had to do to bring me to this place. I am afraid I do not know where I am. I can't recall your your names, except you. And she looks over at Jarzak, and she says, I'm sorry for how I may have behaved. I remember the look in your... Well, anyways, you have my undying gratitude and thanks. And if there's any gift I can give to you, proud adventurers, I will do so. I doubt that any gifts are necessary, Queen Garibar. And if you would like, I invite you to sit, break your fast, uh, and we will avail you of the current situation as much as you are able to hear. And with that, she nods and she says, as queen, I haven't much the time to recover. The stress of such occasions is something to build me rather than break me. I would be happy to break my fast with you people. And with another nod, she sits down beside you all, very delicately, as if trained from birth to be in this kind of a position. Jarzak got up to pull out her chair. <laughs> my queen. <laughs> Jarzak, you can't say that. It's borderline treason. <laughs> I don't even call it. Can a king of his own treason. land commit treason against himself? Nah. Especially That's in weird. a land where you have to fight for that title? Who's gonna who's gonna stop me? <laughs> He's been waiting for an opportunity. Yeah, and he just <laughs> saw me walking around with holding someone's soul in a cage with a specter behind me. Like what <laughs> He's probably second thinking that. Well, either that or he's that fucking tough. And he's like, you think I'm afraid of that? Do you remember the last king? Anyway, um, yeah, turns <laughs> yeah, out Jarzak just destroyed. <laughs> Jarzak just relinquishes his throne to marry this lady. Anyway, um, geez, talk about that romantic comedy coming this summer. Um, so with that, as she sits down and gives you a, a small smiling nod. Uh, she sits down and you guys are immediately given some wonderful dwarvish jams, some root vegetables like carrots that have been sugared and mushed up into a nice overly sugary paste on some really rustic bread, some spiced fried potatoes, and a nice thick slab of bacon. Like, like thick to the point you're like, that's too thick for bacon. And Norhill complains that it's not <laughs> thick enough. Wonders <laughs> we a Tuesday or not. And immediately, hot Pickles are produced and brought over to the table. This is the best day of everyone's life. It's finally Hot Pickle Tuesday. The uh, queen and herself looks right over the food. The and she says, I haven't had much of a meal in a long time. You'll understand if I have trouble eating. And you can tell, even as she picks up food, she inspects it as if expecting rot or filth or maggots or something to be hiding underneath any of this deceptively good-looking food. The look of tension and pain on her face as she does normal human activities leads you to believe that even with the salvation brought on by Aldo's uh, divine magics of the natural world, she is still scarred in many ways from the torturous past that she's had to endure. And as she takes a couple of bites... She slowly begins to get more comfortable eating, and she smiles and says, I'm afraid I haven't had many opportunities to try dwarvish cooking, but it's good. It reminds me of my grandfather's favorite meals. 
Well, then it seems both you and your grandfather have good taste. And with that, a couple of chortles come from people who are listening close to the table. Um, okay. So, was there anything you guys wanted to talk about with her? Uh, so basically, th- throughout the meal, Norhill is going to, uh, you know, first of all, offer introductions for the party, um, and sort of kind of catch her up to speed uh, on both like the party's activities and what we've done so far, and the war, like the state of the war effort in general. Can you do me a favor and give me those introductions? Not to put you on the spot. I don't know if you wanted to do it or have everybody else do their introductions. All right. Uh, unless anybody you know wants to stop Norhill and uh, introduce uh, themselves by their titles directly, Norhill will start for himself. He will say, I am Norhill of Clan Hammerstone, first lord of the unified halls of silver and steel. He nearly chokes on her food. After hearing this, and as she does so, she says, I I apologize. I I didn't mean to call you an adventurer. If if I had known, I would have expected such things. I did not un- I did not recognize your garments, but my apologies, Lord Hammerstone. And are these your traveling companions? They are. These and uh, these are my traveling companions. Klika's gonna give her own introduction, and it's just hi, I'm Klika. She says, yeah, "Perfect." I don't know how, but I feel like we may have met before. Have you? Yeah. No, maybe not. Clicky um, gets that a lot. <laughs> yes, these are my traveling companions. Clicka, Norhill won't say anything about the child of destiny if Clicka <laughs> doesn't want to. Um, That's just not how Clicka introduces herself. <laughs> Saint Anton of Glory Wake, High Priest of the Illuminator. Give that pass it, for Anton. Anton chokes on his coffee. I was going to say Anton chokes on his coffee. Um, <laughs> I'm that, not a she also, she also, yeah, right, and storms out of there like, "Let me close out the door, you people." Flips his hair, does a little emo hair flip. Gosh, and with that, she. She says, and uh, King Jarzak, Lord and Master of Bloodthrow. Jesus, Gareth. So, with that, she looks to you and she again sort of gives you a very uneasy look and she says, I I am very concerned with the state of affairs. And as she looks over at Anton of Glory Wake and she says, It has been some time since I've ventured far to the west of Glory Wake, but. My father cared very much for your people and our lands. You'll forgive me that I've never met you, but I'm sure that Thrail has done very well over there and taught you much. Uh, and with that, looks over at Jarzak and says, you'll, beg, you'll excuse me for being a bit confused here, but you are king of Gorgareth. Yes. I am the king of the orcs. You have taken this throne by force. As the orcs do. He killed his brother. 
how would you say your alignment falls on a scale of <laughs> likable good guy to <laughs> chaotic bad guy? I'm just kidding. But she says, I have a hard time believing you are from those lands, considering how well... And again, she sort of blushes a little bit as she looks down at her plate and looks back up again. She says, whatever the state of affairs is in this world, I think much has changed. And I'll hope that we can talk about the current state of affairs. Assuming no one else has laid claim to my throne, I think you and all of us must become at least understanding of one another. My dearest wish in this conflict is to see the peoples of Amaroth and its surrounding islands united first in victory and then in friendship. And with that, a smile crosses her face as she looks around and realizes the sentiment is probably carried amongst everybody in attendance. And she says, I have seen much pain and I have felt despair in a way that I think most others could not. I would like nothing more than the comforts of friendship in a very pained and bleeding world. I would have such peace, if not an alliance with all of you. Even you, Klika. Um, Do you like writing letters? And she <laughs> says, my, my mother, before she passed away, said I had some of the best penmanship she'd ever seen. Excellent. Very happy to hear this. Quico's first pen pal. Yeah. <laughs> first non-demonic pen pal. <laughs> you know, everybody's got to have at least one. But anyway, so you said that Norhill catches her up to speed? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and, you know, he will mention that the king of Ascabellum had designs upon her throne when everybody thought that she had been killed and replaced by a succubus. So that's something that she's going to have to deal with one way or another. And so with that, she says, years ago, I remember having some difficult talks with my father about the potential of a political marriage. And now that I'm older and have a lot more capacity in such a decision, I'll be honest with you that I think it's the safest choice for me to do so. And then she glances over at Jarzak for a moment and then looks back at the rest of the group and says, I may not enjoy such a political decision, but for the best of the world, I think an alliance with our strongest, well, neighboring nation may be the best option for everyone. But the way you say it makes it sound like he wants the throne for himself. I almost wonder if my survival may perturb him. Does he know of my status? When I met him, the king seemed like a reasonable man. I am of the opinion that he would be amenable to this compromise, were we able to speak with him? Since he crossed the sea, he seems to have been 
of weakened constitution and has been unable to speak to the councils or the assembled leaders of these labs. With that, she looks terrified and has like a little PTSD moment hearing this description. And she says, could it be the demons? It, it might. As far as the worst cases that that could possibly be, I doubt that we could write off that eventuality entirely. But I would prefer not to cause a panic. This very day, we had hoped to pay a visit to the king in his chambers. Perhaps well. then we might be able to allay the fears of the people. If he says, you'll forgive me when I say that I think that is your place to do so. I, I need to speak with those who have survived. Those of Amaroth. Everywhere from Glory Wake to Eagleheart. I imagine those that have survived and made their way here. They need to see me, their queen. I I can take you to your people. Not to mention the weird little technicality that, like, Wake is sort of a sovereign state at this point. So, like, they'll be happy to see you, but yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, like seeing your stepmom. It's like, you know, we had a Glory couple, Wake's also yeah, we just, just an idea places. now. It's not a place. Glory <laughs> <laughs> oh, is a people, that. not a place. Yeah, right? Yeah. Home is where the I, people are, right? I mean, Jersey so, spent probably about half his life there, too, so... Uh, uh, Norville will say, of course, an appropriate escort will be provided. And should you find the strength, I would suggest that you also introduce yourself to the Council of Colors, and to Queen Paleotreides. You know that he gives a bit of a nod. I mean, sorry, she gives a bit of a nod. Uh, Paleotreides is not actually at these council meetings. Oh, is she not around in the city at all? No, she returned oh, to the elves a long time ago. No, well, the terror representatives. Yeah. So with that the party escort her to one of the human districts and people gasp and everything when they see her. And as she waves to the people and everything, she finds an opportunity to speak with them in small commons and greets them and shakes hands and everything. And people are astonished and seeing her in a, a better state than they had seen her before. Uh, people are very much so surprised and celebrating the whole entire affair. And at this point, you guys are all free to make your way back to the council chambers did our like injured friends wake up at all? Do we see them? Which injured friends? Are you uh, talking about the uh, assassin? No, I'm talking about our actual friends that we rescued. Oh, those dorks? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Starbreeze, the halfling, everyone. Yeah, they were staying in a different medical tent, but yeah, you guys would definitely be able to speak with them too if you wanted to. Cookie just wants to make go in and make sure she gives them all a big hug and lets them know that she's really happy that they're safe. And she thinks okay. that they... Well, Klika says that um, I know a lot of people think you guys were acting selfishly or not making the best decision, but Klika thinks what you guys did was really brave and she's really glad that even if anything ever happened to her and Norhill and Anton and Jarzak that 
you guys would do everything you could to make sure you, that we all gave it all our all. Very well. And so with that, Starbreeze, uh, with a bit more confidence than he had had before, especially considering this being the situation that you see him in, he says, you'll accept my apologies for what we had done, and I'd be lying if I said it was any one of our decisions, but as he looks around the group joined here, he says, Margay had the idea, I agreed with it, and Shereel wouldn't let us go unless he was in attendance. Yigkalath and Auk had suggested that they stay behind, but foolishly, I tried to persuade them as well. Yigkalath said it was a silly idea, and I may or may not have yelled at her. I hope that she isn't mad. I'm sure she'll find somewhere in that big scaly heart of hers to forgive you. And I don't I don't think you ever did anything wrong to begin with well that he just sort of nods and he says I've learned quite a thing or two about fighting with a sword I've been watching the orcs terrifying really but I feel like I've understood their sword style you just swing really hard over your head with both hands most things either run out of the way out of fear of you or well they end up in two places at the same time you know, I uh I'd like to see that someday, Starbreeze. See the fabled style of the orc worked in your masterful hands. Mm-hmm. Um and at this point, uh realizing that Margay's nowhere to be seen, um, Shereel mentions, uh, as he kind of looks very sullen about this whole thing, he says Margay left a bit ago. She and Caracol had business to attend to at the barracks, but in the moments that we were speaking this morning, Margay had very little to say, which I only knew her for a few months, but I'm sure you all know very well that Margay not speaking much is a very strange occurrence. Her fixation on her hand leads me to believe that she may... Well, and as he looks down at his own arm... Missing much of the arm that he once had, he says, I think she has to go realize that life goes on. The scars that we carry with us only make us stronger, but I think with her plucky spirit, she'll probably be fine. I'm sure, when she realizes she can still ride the hounds and shoot a sling, she'll be happy. But I'm just glad that the succubus was only able to take a few fingers from her. Perhaps someday St. Anton will master a miracle, and who knows? And as he looks down at his arm again, he says, I think sometimes we think we need a miracle in the moment, but with time, all wounds are healed. Scars only make us stronger. I can't do intervention right now. I'm sorry, I already used it. Wait, what did you just say? I was going to think, like, is this an intervention moment, but I can't use it right now. Oh, you're just like, blam, you got a fucking arm back. What up? But mm-hmm. with that, he just, he just smiles wryly at you all, and he says, but we should all be in good spirits. Well, the succubus is dead, yes? She is. Perhaps 
we ought to organize something of a celebration today. I'll speak with Starbreeze, and we'll find Margaid. I'm sure the people will be happy to see us. I think Ock's been looking for any excuse to try on his costume. I, uh... And it seems like he's trying to retract the point he was making. He says, Ock does not have a costume. I take that back. There is no costume with which any of you should be concerned. And Starbreeze looks at him with a look of, like, stupidity. And he looks back at the party and he says... What he's trying to say is he ruined the surprise. Auk was planning on wearing a costume during the dwarf wrestling tournament that he's been trying to plan for a while now, and it's uh, it's not great. I shall pretend to be surprised nonetheless. Suddenly, as you guys are enjoying a good chuckle amongst your friends, a couple of gnomes come rushing into the medical tent, and a couple of these gnomes look very familiar to the entire party, as well as Jarzak in particular as it seems like a group of his crew from the Wave Wraith have rushed into this place, and one of them grabs him straight by his rusty gauntlet and shrieks as the cold feeling on his hand startles him a bit. But as he looks up at Captain Jarzak, he says, Captain! What's wrong? There's something you need to see. Let's go. And as he rushes outside, you guys can see smoke billowing from the coast. And as he's rushing in this way, he says... We've tried to do the best we can to put out the majority of the fires, but the masts are ruined. Much of the woodwork on the panels, the sides. Somebody planted some sort of a strange burning chemical in the side of the vessel. We're lucky it didn't sink into the coast. My baby. <laughs> Acting. But with that, he just they continue rushing down there. And you can see like the bucket squad tossing buckets of salt and odd, weird, like white chemicals on the side of the vessel. They say, at first we tried to put water on it, but it seemed like the water just exacerbated the burning, and it seemed to burn straight through to the second and the third layer of the vessel. We we did the best we could, but at this point, as you can see it tilting like at a very, very off angle, looking like a very wounded vessel, he says, I think this is going to take a lot of repairs, and I'm very sorry to say we don't know who did it. Do we have a dash cam on that boat? A dash cam? It's like my 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 brother's name is Dash Cam. Maybe he saw the dang shadow guy. Um, Did uh? Yorhill is gonna look up and down the docks. Are there any other ships uh, that have been attacked similarly to the wave uh, wave wraith? No. And as as silly as it sounds. The Wave Wraith has, like, special guest parking in the front, like, right off the main dock. It's, like, the first one in the line. Being a beautiful vessel, one, but two, it's kind of got a high high snobiety place of uh, superiority. So it's right there smack dab in the middle, but no other vessels seem to be having these kinds of issues. Is the masthead? Is the masthead okay? Is that what it's called? It's the big fucking sword we put on the front, okay? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Oh it's like the side of the boat. It looks like something like reamed into the side of it and just like bit through the whole side. And it bit through so bad into the middle that the main mast is like completely sunken in and fallen down. And with that, the gnome, realizing Jarzak's broken heart over this whole thing, says, we have some of the best shipwrights you would have ever seen. We can repair it, but it may take uh, 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 months, maybe weeks. Months! Yeah, better be. Says, 
He says, you'll understand that we don't really have the resources or the manpower at this point to throw everybody at fixing your vessel. Being wartime, we're sort of concerned with the city, but I mean, I'll see I'll, what I can do. I, I can put more people in your service to fix it. He says, as he realizes what you mean and sees strong looking orcs down on the boat docks, just like <laughs> stiff arming other gnomes for their lunch money. He's like, I think we could do it uh, just fine on our own. No, no, there's there's some orcs not even working right there. <laughs> he's like no it's okay they're uh, on a lunch break uh, it's all good or, or don't get lunch very breaks <laughs> he's like but anyway uh, we'll do our best to see what we can do damn well uh, Norhill I know you're going to want to join but not sure if anyone else will I might not have much time left on this soul we gotta go talk to the prisoner. I think you're probably right. Okay. Mm, while the they're doing point... that, I guess Kleeka will go check up on the painting. Okay. Maybe it's been a bit... It's also not the middle of the night this time, so that'll be good. Wait, wait. Can Anton come, or is this supposed to be a surprise? It's a surprise. Damn well, it. you guys know it's happening, but you can't see it till <laughs> I mean, it's it... done realistically it's only been about a week since you last saw it so oh. i don't think much will be different because you guys teleported back so the length of the trip that was the longest was really just flying there and even then walking through so yeah it, it was really only about five days you guys have been gone and that's like tops god damn we're doing pretty good then all right never mind then yeah you guys are hauling ass is there anything we can do now knowing that clearly the princess are very, very much after us. They vandalized our property. They've threatened our lives. Is there anything else we could do? Just any idea, like, what's the security of this place in general? Any other signs I'm, of Again, unfortunately, the majority of the soldiers and guards in this place, or it's hard, just soldiers, uh, are uh, Ascabellum guard, uh, sorry, soldiers. God, my words. Um, but the majority of the guards are just like, like gnomes and halflings riding on dog back and the walls of the city are well reinforced from outward intruders but again like it's an entire city so if somebody's whole i mean as silly and coincidental as this, i mean ironic as it sounds i mean you guys broke into a city literally yesterday and were able to maneuver your way through an entire you know what i mean like clearly you guys could do it and none of you have a good bonus to your stealth checks and the, uh, I was going to say, these are assassins of supreme skill. A handful of people breaking into a city is actually not that hard. The last thing I could do is scry to figure out more about our missing king, but I am out of spell slots. Didn't we take Did a long rest? Did we do a long rest? Yeah, we yeah. did a long rest. Yeah, it's morning. Oh, jeez. Okay, one second. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think we found out when Ronnie woke up. Yeah, Ron Ronnie had a short rest. <laughs> Yeah, it, was, it wasn't me this time. <laughs> um, All right, I think I should do that with Klika. I think we gotta. Yeah, that's fine. Figure out this other mystery going on. Okay. Oh, Norhill, you want bad cop? I assume from. I know, I know you like breaking people's hands and stuff. <laughs> it's like his favorite thing. 
Or no, I don't think I can actually play bad cop. That was pronouncing a sentence. Questioning a prisoner is perhaps not within my constitution. Perfect. Uh, then I'll, I'll play the role the role of the bad guy in this interrogation. Very well. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy, indeed. So, if it is the case, Anton, that you are going to cast Scrying, where would you like to cast that? I want to find somewhere private for myself and Klika. Okay. So, perhaps back at the tavern. Mm, Is the tavern private enough, though? If we asked for privacy, we'd get it, yeah. You guys walk to the private like little uh, war room essentially in the basement and when you go down there you can see Auk trying on some very bright red and green tights and as you walk in on the- <laughs> click on me like covers her eyes and elbows Anton to do the same he shrieks and he's like you have to look um hi Auk sorry we just sort of need this space for a little bit we didn't see anything it's like, I, I had an ear. I'm not. This isn't clothing. It's my pants. I, uh. This isn't. Uh, uh, has bought me a gift from the far north, and it, it's silly. I hate it. Right. I, yeah. Red's a really so good bad. color on you, but I didn't see anything. Right. Okay. So he coughs very, very obtusely, and you hear a tearing of, of garment. And he's like, <laughs> oh. And with that, he <laughs> just. Runs out of the room past you, stomping as he does. Look at his server to go cast mending on his pants later. But he can't look. Yeah, it's fine. We'll figure yeah, it out. That on, that on the D&D Reddit. Can I repair the Goliath's wrestling <laughs> garments if I'm not looking at them when I do it? <laughs> he really I, wants okay. them to be a surprise. So, as the two of you go into this more silent chamber and prepare to cast the spell of scrying, what does it look like when you're casting it? So, I think I want to, and I, I think I'm just curious. I don't know if I see anything. Is there any way I can let Klika also see what I'm seeing, or is it strictly to myself? I'm pretty sure it's just you, but I think in the description of the spell, it says that on a failed save, the spell creates an invisible sensor within 10 feet of the target. You can see and hear through the sensors if it were there. So it seems like it's just in your head that you see it. It's not like a scrying mirror or something like well, that. No, typically, you do have to have a mirror or crystal ball. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as the so you have to have a focus. Scrying. So. Okay. So, like, we'd have to look into the lantern. Like moss. That's what I figured it was, like the dancing light of the lantern and like staring into the flame of it. So I suppose that you both could look through, but as you uh, cast the spell and call to the illuminator's flame to be able to locate, uh, who are you looking for? The um... King Theroni? Well, the... Yeah, King Theroni, the real one. Okay. So as you do so, you focus on the flame and watch it dance side to side as you're breathing upon it, reciting uh, little rhymes and prayers. And as you focus for like a good minute on it, you realize that the flame begins to deplete. And as you call out his name under your breath, Theroni, the flame goes out. Oh no, is he dead? I don't I know. I look at Kika and I'm like, that's not a good sign. 
We what did we see? Nothing. The flame went out. Um. Uh, <laughs> maybe try to be optimistic about it. Someplace really dark. I mean, the specter said something about shadows. Either he's dead or he's in a different dimension that can't be reached. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple other technicalities, but whatever. I'm not going to give you that. That would be a knowledge of Arcana. I don't think I have that. Um, I, I suppose do. religion, if you have the spell. Fucking, you know, because whatever. I have religion. I got a 14 yeah. on Arcana. Nice. I can also roll religion got, if you let me. I got a 20 me. on religion. Never mind, I don't need to. What did you get on religion? 20. Jesus. So you yourself feel like he could be dead. He could be in a very dark room, apparently. Or, more likely, something is blocking your divination abilities. And it's the case that trying to find him, it's like looking up a blocked person on Facebook or something like that. Like, it just, it's like, no, never heard him. Don't know what you're talking about. So the flame just whiffs out because there's nobody named Theroni that you're able to reach. Other than Bobby Theroni, who lives in Gorgareth, but he's a really different guy. Would I have an understanding of what would be needed to block a divination? Like, is that a specific type of spell? You would know there there are plenty of spells and magic items that can block divination spells like scrying. Oh. So, anybody with the means and the money, especially somebody who might have, you know, a king... Uh, they would probably have the means to block somebody like you from doing something like that. Can I? I can't use scrying again, can I? Um, what are you gonna cast it 10 feet behind where you cast the last time? No, <laughs> I want to see if I could see the fox prince. I don't think that'll work because I don't think I've ever met him. Yeah, not to mention, you really have no idea who he is. It would be quite uh, can quite I a find check. the guy with the yellow eyes? The guy with the yellow eyes. That was in oh. the tent. Him. Him. Dun dun. Okay. Yeah, so it looks like he's going to have quite a bonus. So we'll see. Yeah. So as you try to... Well, I mean, for what it's worth, Jarzak just basically gave you secondhand knowledge of who he was by saying... <laughs> yeah, what did you say? It was a guy standing outside the tent. So th- I don't think it's possible that you could get an idea where he is? Yeah, oh. very clearly, you also don't know where he is. So you cast Scry twice? I mean, if you don't think it's worth doing it, then I'd rather save the spell slot. I'd save the spell slot. <sighs> so it seems like Theroni's near impossible to find at this point in time, which itself seems to validate something of the strangeness of the claims brought on by the Mind Flayers. Whatever it could mean... It's like you said, probably not fucking good. Can I can I scry on the steward? I mean, again, you could if you want to. Just to get an eye on him. Okay. Because if there's something up with like, wait, can I scry on the fake king? Or I don't know who he looks like because I didn't actually see him. You did see him the first day you had returned. Oh, let's do that. Let's go to the fake one. Okay. So, as you, again, light the lantern and look over at Klika and tell her it is who exactly you're going to be spying on, you creep, um, 
you see the flame begin to warble just a little bit, and you think of uh, whoever that was. I guess is the best way of doing it. Um, this guy. So, yeah, essentially. So, as you do so, um, all right. So, with that, suddenly, you're looking in the flame, and you appear to be transported as you stare into the fire, into one of the more luxurious-looking gnomish estate rooms. And as you look into the chamber and see there is a rather pot-bellied-looking steward sitting upon a lounging chair, and there appears to be the king himself staring at himself in a mirror. And as he does so, he prods and picks at his face and his eyes and just kind of stares in there. And as he sort of speaks over shoulder, he says, Dalton, I grow tired of this game. How much longer are we supposed to humor them? And with that, Dalton stands up and sort of wipes off the crumbs upon his shirt. And he says, we are to do this until the deed is done. And I suppose as he stands up and does so, he says, I'm sure we're going to have another one of those meetings soon. Evidently, the queen lives. And with that, Theron standing at the mirror, now turning around and looking at him, says, I'm rather impressed by the abilities of that group. Rather unfortunate they've succeeded, but I don't think that does much to affect our plans. And then with that, Dalton, the steward, says, I sure hope it doesn't. I fear what would happen if we were to fail in this. But I'll just keep doing the same thing I always do in... Uh, can you give me another one of those uh, very sad expressions you've been practicing? And with that, Theron takes on the most sad and abysmally depressed look. And he seems to like even pull down his own little eyelids for a moment and just like, Mur. and he says, God, what an ugly bastard. Oh, well. I'll go speak with the gnomes and tell them how dreadfully depressed you are. What are you thinking, elvish wine today? And when the other throne sort of speaks up and says, I'm feeling some of that dwarvish whiskey. I know what it does to my head, but while the gnomes are paying for it, I guess we have no reason to, uh, you know, skimp on the bill. Say whatever you will about the princes, but they sure do know a good way to get a bargain down here. Yes, I'm sure eventually we'll have to pay, but not until we're very wealthy gentlemen. And with that, Theron stands up, puts a hand on the steward's face and says, Now, now, we're already rich. I am the king, after all. And they both begin to chuckle as the steward leaves, and Theron seems to go lie down in his bed and roll over on his side. And he chuckles a little bit to himself, and he says, The king of Azkabellum. Yes, the king How's that for do, acting? Do we know the steward's steward as Dalton, or is that a new name? Dalton's his name. Dang it. And you knew it from the uh, few games ago. We should definitely ask the should have asked the Spectre if he knows Dalton. Well, now we can cut back to Norhill and Jarzak, who just arrived at the old prison and see the uh 
very spooky, black-robed man sitting there in the corner. And as he looks back at all of you, he smiles and he says, I hope you don't have any plans on asking me questions, for I'll never answer a word of it. And he spits at the ground before you. Now, now, is that any civilized way to begin a conversation where you come from? And he says, where I come from, people like you are skinned alive, salted their flesh, and left for the wild cats to eat. Where I'm from, people like me do well, because I keep my word and my honor. I'll tell you nothing, and I'll be celebrated by my ancestors. <laughs> and where I'm from, I have tricks to make you speak. And I just hold up the soul cage, I'm like, your friend is telling us everything we need to know. He says, I have no friends. Friends bring upon weakness. I rely only on myself. And as he sort of looks around at the irony of him being in a cage right now, seeing his friend's soul in a cage right now, he says, do not anticipate that my failures are your successes, for I'll tell you nothing. Nothing. I don't think that you understand <laughs> threat has been made. My companion here has traveled to some very dark places. Makes your description of the place that you come from sound positively thrilling. I wouldn't want to visit them were I you. Now, I think that you're going to answer our questions one way or another. You can do so living, or you can go to the block for attempted assassination and still tell us what we want to know. That's a waste of time. We'll just kill him here and now. And with that, he puts his hands in front of his face in that same creepy, weird uh, P and Q shape that his friend made before he died. And he starts rocking as he loops his legs in a pretzel shape, rocking back and forth and speaking under his breath. Is he still uh, shackled to the wall? Yeah, I mean, within reason. It's not like super tight, but yeah. Uh, how are the shackles actually attached to the wall? They're bolted into the stone. Uh, Norhill's gonna cast a uh, yeah sidelong glance at Jarzak. Let's uh, see if he mm -hmm. wants to be the one to interrupt. So, you want to just take his soul now? Jarzak's gonna pull out his uh, sword. Well, there is a procedure to these things, of course. You know, he shall be formally charged and, well... Hey, Norhill, yeah. we're on a time crunch, and there are still people out there. <laughs> he tried to kill us. That, well, that's... I suppose I should, at the very least, give him the choice of his method of execution. So, what shall it be? The gallows, the block, or the press? And with that, he relieves himself from his posture there and holds his hands flat before him. And he says, I would kill myself, as is customary. Nor and, and, and Norhill is a little bit taken aback at that. I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here and say that suicide is pretty taboo among dwarves. Sure. 
I think it's as taboo amongst anybody else, but the whole idea of killing himself as his preferred method feels like there's something weird about that. You know what I mean? Irregular. Definitely taboo. That was not one of the options that I presented. And he says, then let that one kill me now. End my suffering by listening to you and your broken limb drivel. Very well. Uh, Norhill's going to look around to see if there are any attendants or guardsmen. Uh, I mean, they gave you the space to do your thing, but they're outside the door. If you'd like Sorry. to, I mean, Jarzak could just do it. I know yeah, he's no, begging J- to do Jarzak's it. Jarzak's gonna. Um, but Jarzak's gonna hold up the lantern and ask it its last question. Okay. Uh, who's he praying to? And with that, he says, we do not pray. We only beg forgiveness of the ancestors who did what we couldn't. Cool. Well, now that I have this empty cage, Jarzak's going to go into the cell with him. Okay. And he leans his head forward, exposing his neck for you. With that, Jarzak switches to Domro's luck. No. <laughs> for, for the for the crime of attempted murder, sedition, I suppose, um, and, and espionage. I, Norhill Hammerstone, Lord of the Halls of Silver and Steel, sentence you to death. And with that. As Jarzak lifts, uh, is it Domero's luck or is it the Diamond no, Edge it, Blade? It, it would be the Diamond Edge Blade. <laughs> and as you lift it up, he says under his breath again, facing the straw that he'd been laying upon, all pride, all glory to the princes. Oh, and I slice. Hey, his head falls off like a pumpkin, just funk to the ground and rolls very, very unearthly and faces you in a look of prideful smugness. Yeah, and with that, a specter pops out of his corpse, and I trap his soul. <laughs> oh, Jarzak. Oh, I didn't even mean to make that one. That's my bad. <laughs> Just happened. Like, buddy. What is the difference between the specter that you have there and the soul that you have there? I'm not sure I understand. Uh, I just like thinking he's got to be like Air Bud and like, go on, boy. Get, can't you see I don't want you no more? And the specter just like goes through the wall. <laughs> anyway. Well, now we have some more questions. Maybe we can, uh, I don't know, meet with someone from the council to figure out good questions to ask. Okay. That is the least that we can do to bring them into the loop on this whole operation. A lot. Yeah. Not the whole council. Only the good ones. Okay, council of the colors plus one halfling plus some orcs. I just I just want some more candy. (laughs) (laughs) Whomever can attend whomever can attend at this notice, I'm sure, will be a plenty. Okay. So as the uh party regroup at the tavern to make their way out that way. It would seem that you guys are being summoned to go to another one of these fancy meetings. Uh, The queen herself also has been summoned to go to this meeting. 
uh, it would seem that the steward has very pressing matter to ask you all about. And it is of the uh, gravest of importance. So that, I believe, is where we're going to end it. Hey, everyone. I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter, or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.